the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Buckle up and settle in for a full hour of automotive mayhem with the real car guy, master technician, Mark Salem, where the only two things we can't fix is a broken heart and the crack of dawn. To talk to Mark, call 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Now, once again, here's Mark. Well, welcome, everybody. Good morning to you. Four minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock for the next two hours, we're going to be talking about car and car repair issues. And what you do is first you got to call in, and that's 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. And then what we do is, is you tell me, like, the year, the make, the model of the car you have, and then we're going to talk about symptoms. And then there is a Q&A there. So I ask you questions and you answer me the best you can. I'm going to do my best to send you in the right direction. And obviously that menu has lots of right directions. So that's how it works. I'm an ASE Master Certified Technician. I've been in the auto repair industry for 39 years. It'll actually be 40 years this year in October. And I've worked, I've actually owned independent shops since 1979 and I'm kind of in the legal arena I'm an expert in industry standards for car repair which means I've testified in court and the judge has allowed me after they've tested my qualifications so I kind of know what's right and what's wrong and in addition to that I have a best car repair shops list and the best car repair shops list I know every single one of those owners. I've known them for a very long time. We've all followed the same kind of repair strategy. Uh, You come in. We get your information for the work order. We talk about symptoms. We document the symptoms. We give you a diagnostic fee or a range. Then we go out and diagnose your car. And once we do that, then we get parts and labor, put that all together, call you with the estimate. Now, you okay the estimate under the conditions you okay the estimate then we perform the repair and here's the the important part afterwards we verify that what we went in to fix is gone (laughs) so if we went in to fix an oil leak and we take it for a drive and come back and we have an oil leak in the same place we didn't do a good job so i've known these guys and here's my promise to you it's on my website marksalem.com salem like the cigarette marksalem.com here's my promise to you If the shop doesn't perform on a complaint basis, the complaint has to go through the Better Business Bureau. The Better Business Bureau will send it to the Auto Advisory Committee most of the time. If the Auto Advisory Committee and the Better Business Bureau tells the shop to fix the car or make a refund and the shop refuses, then I will. I'll fix your car or make a refund with a limit of $5,000. I've never had to do that. As a matter of fact, I probably have had three complaints since 1988. So the guys are really performing quite well. I'm very proud of them. And obviously, if you live in a particular part of town and you're interested in what what shop I say is a good shop, then go to MarkSalem.com and click on the Best Shop links. 
This portion is brought to you by Thompson's Auto Repair. He's been on our list for a very long time, and I know Brian and Thelma. I not only know Brian and Thelma, but I need. To, I was part of the generation, and I know their dads and their uncles who was also who have also been in the car repair business since the 60s and the 70s. So Brian and Thelma have been around car people their whole lives. So Thompson's Auto Repair is on Main Street, just east of Stapley. He knows what's right or wrong. He abides by whatever estimate he gave you, and he's real interested in keeping you as a customer. So he does all the right things. So here's my promise. All you have to do is meet Brian or Thelma, and you'll understand completely why they're on my list, because they are really the salt of the earth. They're really good people. And um, I think I had a customer one time um, with Thompson's that had indicated that he was confused about what happened. So I called Brian, and I said, this is his confusion. Um, would you call him back? And he said yes. And then I followed up and said, "How did you, how did we do?" Did and he says, "No, to my complete satisfaction. I just didn't understand this one thing." And Brian explained it to me, and he says, "Everything's fine." I said, "Perfect." So it works like that. But that only, I only really get involved in those kinds of things maybe once a year, maybe. So I'm really proud of the best car repair shops list we have. It's really difficult to get on the car repair list because you have to have five years in your present location. You have to have to good, clean record. Your reviews have to be better than the average. You have to have liability insurance and workman's comp insurance. You have to have unemployment insurance. You have to have, and workman's comp is important. And then you have to have garage liability, which means that the shop is responsible for the cars that are in their care custody and control that way if the place burns down <laughs> there is insurance to pay for your car that's how it works okay we've got our first caller who might that be gil that would be patrick patrick good morning to you how can i help you marky mark how's your day you know so far so good but uh i'll let you know later on this afternoon <laughs> but but there's there's room for deceleration <laughs> yes yes there is yes there is hey so i got a 78 chevy c10 and um, crazy thing is, I grew up uh, loving Dodgers and Fords, and then I drove this thing, and it floats, and I I can't get rid of it. Okay. Um, it uh, it the 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 brass cooler in or the brass uh, radiator in it just is not getting it done with the stock pan. Um, it's got a three uh, three fifty board sixty over, and it so it runs really hot. Um, and I had the radiator uh, rotted and everything, and, and it just it helped a little bit, but it's not good enough. So what I'm doing is putting a, uh, an aluminum uh, radiator in there with um, big, uh, they look like 17-inch fans on here, 19-inch, I don't know, they're huge. Um, my question is, the the core on this thing is only uh, 18 inches, um, and the on the stock one, it's 18 and like, just under a half. Um, there's, I can't find anybody, and this might not be the direction that you know, because it's not normally that I, I listen all the time and, and you normally do newer stuff and send people to shops and stuff. Um, but um, I can't find anybody that, that know that's done this that can say, oh yes, you want to put those bushings from that year in there to, to take up that space or you want to do... Okay, stop, stop. Use this. Are you talking about the space in front of the radiator or behind the radiator on the engine side uh, or the uh, grill side? Uh, above above and below, So because it's it's the height. It's the okay. height is, is, is a half inch too short. 
Okay, so I'm not now, worried about the height or the width as long as it's something close to the one you put in. But I think you're making a big mistake. I've done what? that a lot of times. I did it on my 76 Chevy pickup. I, It's never worked. It doesn't work. Let's start back at the beginning. When you say it runs really hot, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, it runs It runs like... Um, to, uh, 190 running down the freeway, but when you're idling in traffic, there's just not enough band movement and, and whatnot. So um, it's running 210, 220, okay. and I can't even run the AC because it'll just shoot right up. Okay, well, <laughs> you sh- you just thrown a whole bunch of bull on my desk. First of all, 190 to 220 is a normal temperature, so I don't know what you're trying to fix but 190 to 210 is a normal temperature. Perhaps you come from the 180 group, but that 180 group came from the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. We don't do that anymore. The engine will last a lot longer. Everything will be better if you run that thing between 190 and 220. Now, if it's running down the freeway at 190, then that means we got good airflow across the radiator. There's no two ways about it. So having a bigger, taller, or wider, we're running. Around town, if you're keep if it's between two, oh gosh, between two twenty and two thirty, so what? You're going to go to two sixty to two eighty before you cook the motor. We got a lot of room, but no, I don't want to. You know, I don't want to bust your bubble. Those electric cooling fans won't work. You're not going to be able to control them real well. You're going to put this little sensor in the upper radiator hose, and then it's going to try to turn the coolers or the fans on and off. It's not going to work. We're not we're not blowing enough air. You don't have a shroud on there. There's that's not going to work. It's got a shroud. Okay, a shroud. you're going to use that shroud with one fan. Or I thought you said you had two no, fans. No, it's two fans. It's two fans. Okay. One There's no shroud on the two fan. It just bolts to the backside of the radiator. I'm talking about the shroud that came with the vehicle that's that big. It, cut, it, it necks down from the entire radiator to the size of the fan. And it, when the fan runs, it pulls air through the radiator and not through the sides. So, you know, you, again, you, you, you ask me my opinion, and I'm telling you, I think, and first of all, aluminum radiators are made for electric fans, and the electric fans on the cars today are quite different than the electric fans you're likely to be putting in there. You're either going to control that electric fan or not. As far as the air conditioning is concerned, I'd probably wire it to when I turn on the air, I turn on the fans. So if you want to do that, that's fine. We need to run the fans pretty much all the time if we're going to have air, because I need airflow across that condenser. But again, right. without you being able to control the suck par- the portion of those two fans, you're not going to draw you're not going to draw as much air across the condenser as you may need. So, but on the other hand, if the air's shutting down, then the question is is if the air stops working, is it city or highway? Because when you're on the no, highway, no, I have we're, to turn it off. I I have to turn it off because it, it runs up to to, to 250, 260 on for temp. Well, then you have something wrong with more because all we're doing is, is we're it, the condenser is just dissipating its heat in the air. So if you're running two fifty, two sixty, then you you have a problem, a problem that the the fans not, the your idea is not going to work. I started doing this in nineteen seventy six. I took my Chevy pickup and I thought I was smarter than the average bear, 
And I'm, I can't tell you what we did. We built shrouds. We shrouded off around the fans. We controlled the fan all the time, or we let the control or the controller turn on the fan all the time. We did everything imaginable, and I couldn't keep that thing from running 230, 240 all the time. So let me explain why it's important for you to understand that I wanted to run at 220. Your old truck it used to run at 180. Every time you shut it off, we're going to get a tablespoon of water in the condensation. Your water's going to turn to mud in the oil. It's going to turn to a white foam. But you don't see that on the dipstick, but it's there. So the water sits down at the bottom. The oil floats to the top. So the only way, then, and, and your motor and your truck and my 76 Chevy pickup, the motors didn't last 100,000 miles. When you took the intake manifold off, there was two inches of sludge in there. So the oil pan was the same way. We thought sludge was pen's oil. We thought sludge was Valvoline. We thought sludge was the oil itself or the filter was bad. That's what we thought. But it's not true. It's water. And that's what makes sludge. So when we move it up to 220, we already know that water boils at 212. So we move it up to true 20 operating, then the motor turns the water to steam. The PCV valve pulls the steam out and sends it out the tailpipe. That's why cars today are running three and four and 500,000 miles. So now we know how to handle the oil. It was never the oil. It was the temperature we were running the engines at. So it, there's no harm in foul. If your Chevy burps and doesn't like 220, you've got a bigger problem than two fans are going to take care of. That's all there is to it. But anyway, you bring up a good point. You can take my advice or you can toss it and put your fans on. But I just want to caution you, that aluminum radiator, they, you think that that's going to make a big difference, and it's not. It may not even be as thick as the three-row you prop that car probably came with. So, And you're not likely to get a three-row aluminum because I don't know that I've seen a three-row aluminum. So anyway, good luck to you. Thank you very much. 602-508-0960. 602-508-0960. We'll be back in a minute. Phoenix Body Works is a family-owned and operated collision repair facility that opened in 1982. That's over 35 years ago, helping family and friends with their collision repair needs with unparalleled honesty, integrity, and quality. We have grown into the finest collision repair facility in the Valley of the Sun. We are located on 19th Avenue, one half block north of Deer Valley Road. We're open Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. and on Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 12 noon for estimates. Give us a call at 623-582-1434 or visit our website at www.phxbodyworks.com, view our YouTube video, or read our Yelp reviews. Remember, it's your vehicle, and you decide who repairs your vehicle, not the insurance company. We work with all insurance companies on your behalf and eliminate the stress of dealing with the repairs. We are not beholden to the insurance company. At Phoenix Body Works, we work for you. This is attorney William J. Wolf, host of Middle East Radio Forum, heard every Sunday at noon here on 960 The Patriot. This Sunday from Israel, our guest will be Joshua Haston, the international spokesman for Gush Etzion. His topic will be the controversy of the coming Israeli election and how it might affect the impending Trump peace proposal. Don't miss this very important show. That's Middle East Radio Forum, Sunday at noon on 960 The Patriot. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. My student loan is totally paid off. I can't believe it. I can't believe it either. I paid more than the minimum each month, and soon enough, it was gone. So you're just giving up. Giving up on what? The life of luxury. 
Egyptian cotton, caviar Thursdays, designer everything. What are you talking about? Our plan. What happened to winning the lottery and mastering the art of the perfect mimosa? Hosting galas, wearing enough jewelry to require a bodyguard, vacationing in the French Riviera, and then buying it. I just thought maybe it was time to prepare for my future. You know, set some financial goals, make some smart investments, open a 401k. Financial goals? Investments? A 401k? You are horrifying right now. Listen, if winning the lottery were easy, everyone would do it. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Maybe it's time to take a fresh look at everything we thought we knew about landing a great job. For instance, what if phenomenal careers start at the middle school science fair instead of at the job fair? If being the captain of the robotics team means just as much on a college application as being captain of the football team. And if knowing the quadratic formula is every bit as important as knowing the right people. Well, the fact is, the jobs of the future will be heavily geared towards science, technology, engineering, and math. In other words, the future is STEM. More opportunities, better pay. And the road to these great jobs starts as early as middle school. So if you're a student, talk to your school counselor about STEM. If you're a parent, talk to your kids. Because the job you'll get in the future may very well depend on what you do today. A public service message from America's Navy. All right. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Mark Salem, and you're welcome to give us a call, and we'll talk about car repair. Um, I, the, the give and take is important. How does how hot does it run, and, and what are you trying to accomplish, and all that kind of stuff. So that's 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. I'm going to get to the two callers real quick. We've got three or three open lines, 602-508-0960. Kurt's Auto Repairs up at I-17 and, and Bell, the northeast corner. Kurt, Jeff, and Eric are the three predominant people there. They're all master technicians. Kurt's an older guy like me, kind of gray-haired, been around the block more than once. Eric and Jeff are... (laughs) They are young men who think they know as much as the old guys. I can't remember what that saying is. Young bucks, I guess? So... Kurt and I always have a lot of fun with Eric and Jeff just because it's a matter of pride to see who knows the most about cars and those young bucks think they do and they never do. So if you're up there anywhere near um, I-17 and Bell and you don't have a repair shop, may I suggest you try Kurt's northeast corner of Bell and I-17. All righty. Larry, good morning to you. How can I help you? Hi. I have a 2002 Explorer Sport Track. It's got a 4-liter V6 in it. Okay. A while back, it started um, when I shut the engine off and get out of the vehicle. If I walk by the engine, I could smell antifreeze. Didn't smell in the cab or anything, so I don't think it's the um, heater core. Heater heater core. But I was I noticed that little search tank where you put all where you add antifreeze had a crack. Had it replaced. <clears throat> Didn't solve the problem. I don't think I'm leaking any antifreeze anywhere. But I got that smell for a while. Could I have a head gasket problem? No, because you didn't say the, the the key points of a head gasket problem. So be leakage, right? Well, not necessarily. The most here's the deal. You know that the motor has four four cycles. That's why it's called four cycle engine. Mm-hmm. It's got suck, compress, 
bang exhaust. <laughs> okay. So you what happens if you take compression fire yeah. exhaust when I was a yep. kid, yeah. Well, uh, the bang it's the new the new way of saying okay. bang and you know power and stuff. Okay. When you got a head gasket problem on the suction stroke on the intake stroke, it'll suck water into that cylinder. It'll create an engine miss. So that's one of the most predominant things we have. Okay. Um and you didn't say anything about that. Um, and you fine. didn't say anything? Okay. And it also, if it's a water into the oil, you'll see white foam all over the dipstick. You didn't say anything about that. Nope. Okay. So let, let's talk about where we're at here. When the engine gets hot and it overcomes the pressure on the cap, and let's say it's a 16-pound cap, it gets up to 17, the cap will vent that into the overflow jug. That's all there is to it. Now, when you shut it off at night, as the engine cools down, there's a little valve on the on the cap that opens up and you suck fluid from the overflow back into the engine till it's full. So we have this transition of, of coolant. Hot, we go into the overflow, and after you park it, we come back. Now, I think you ought to put a radiator cap on it, and I think you ought to look for a stamp brand. I don't care what you buy, but I like stamped. So stamped, okay. I'd put a radiator cap on it. This is what I do. Fill okay, the overflow jug with water. Okay, just water, and it will find its own level. Now, on your jug, it's going to say minimum and maximum, or it'll say There's cold and hot. Across, yep. Okay, obviously, the hot one's higher because we're exhausting fluid from the cooling system into the overflow so that it goes up to the hot mark, let's pretend. Now, at night, when we start sucking water out of the um, uh, overflow jug to fill the, the car back up, the engine back up, then obviously there's a cold mark. Now, those are not going to be precise. And frankly, if you can put up with me, I would say fill the doggone thing up and let it find, let it find its own balance. Okay. That's it. And you've got to make sure that it is coming from the overflow, and you have to make sure of the, of the integrity of the overflow. So the nipple's not cracked. The, it, the, the bucket itself, the jug itself is okay. But... If you had a head gasket, it would be throwing coolant every time, and you would have an engine miss somewhere along the line, and you may have some white stuff coming out of your dipstick tube, and you have a constant need of water because the engine's consuming water, so it's not going to really throw it out on the ground. It's actually not. It's going to consume water, and it's going to empty the jug after two or three nights. Okay. That so, doesn't happen. So the yeah. smell on is just coming out of that radiator cap when it's venting. Then when I shut it off. Yeah, and um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking there's a 75 percent chance all you need is a new radiator cap because when you shut it off, obviously the water stops flowing, right? Yep. So because it's not flowing, it gathers a whole bunch more heat. The water stopped and the engine's hot. So as we do that, we expand that water, and that's when we overcome the spring on the cap and psst, throw some stuff into the overflow. So what you're seeing on the ground could very well be a cap, and I'm willing to say that 75% of the time it is, and if I fix it, the next time the plate passes you, you, act, you add a, an extra dollar or two. 10-4? Ten 10-4, four? Ten four, I got it. I, that's right. an easy fix. Um, I was just hoping I wouldn't have something wrong with that you know, manifold leaking or something but that's I understand. something simple if the intake manifold's leaking almost always we have water in the oil okay that so now if you do have a head gasket blown up and you end up with that miss then i want you to call me back and and i will tell you how to fix that with some additive 
that's been working for us 95% of the time. Okay. Okay? All right. Thank you very much. Richard, can I help you, or how can I help you? Yes. Uh, I got a 2016 Kia four-cylinder. I uh, bought it used uh, about 35,000 miles. I changed the oil at 40,000. I changed it again at 55,000. didn't consume any oil. And at 5,000 miles, I'm a quart low. I put another quart in, and I don't know how many miles I drove. It's, it's down three quarters now. I went to Kia, and this is the story they told me. They've changed something with a knock sensor. Does that make any sense to you? Uh-huh. And that's what's call it, causing the oil consumption. Okay. That kind of sounded uh, kind of crazy to me. I'm not familiar with that. And at first blush, the knock sensor simply... Uh, determines that there's a vibration in the engine that's caused by a pre-ignition or a ping. Mm-hmm. So the knock sensor raises its hands and tells the ECM, hey, back off the timing a little bit. So the ECM backs off one degree, and the knock sensor says, I need more. And the ECM backs off two degrees, and then it says to the uh, knock sensor, how you doing now? And the knock sensor says, no problem. That happens about 30 to 100 times a second. So to test an ox sensor, all you do is <laughs> you look at your scanner and you hit the alternator bracket with a hammer. That's all. You want to see <laughs> that the knock sensor comes alive. Well, and then you, they told me I'm, when it gets to consuming a quart and 800 miles, they will change the engine. Okay. Well, let, let me ask you a question that I'm confused about. You said you bought it at 40. Or I thought you said you bought it at 40 and you changed the oil at 55. No, no. I, I, cha- I bought it at 35. I changed it at 40. I use synthetics, so I changed it at 55, and at 6,000, I was one quart low. Okay. But the first, the first uh, 15,000 miles, there was no consumption. Okay. So all of a sudden, you've had this consumption. Well, it, in order to track down a consumption problem, I'll tell you how we track down, but I'm going to put you on hold because I only got 29 seconds to go. But I'm going to come back to you, and you stay right there. Anybody else, there's four lines open, 602-508-0960. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what does a seasoned technician look for for an oil consumption problem? What does he do to identify where it's going? And in reality, that's going to cost you somewhere between 100 and $200 to find that out. Unless, of course, they do it at the very beginning, and that's not likely. We'll be back. Did you know Rain Tree Auto Repair is ranked number one in the entire United States by Mercedes-Benz for their repairs? Andy Val, the dad, and his sons, Tom and Paul, operate Rain Tree Auto Body in North Scottsdale. They've been around since 1972. Sure, they fix Kias and Hondas and Chevys and Fords, but they are rated the best for their ability to correctly repair the Mercedes-Benz. Remember, Rain Tree Auto Repair is ranked number one in the entire United States by Mercedes-Benz for their repairs. They have a machine called the Select Bench. It's the same jig they assemble your car on. Raintree can put your car back to its pre-loss condition with 100% accuracy. Raintree Auto Repair is a BBB member with a plus rating. Raintree Auto Repair provides free estimates and they'll give you a lifetime warranty on all paint and bodywork. They use the best glasserate paint and it's waterborne paint so it has no environmental effect. For more information, stop by RaintreeAutoBodyInc.com. Here's some great News. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or more importantly, if you sign up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare, and MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program. It's been around for 25 years. They have more than 400,000 members now around the country. 
And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $2 billion of each other's medical bills, so they could help share your needs too. And best of all, you could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is around 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. There's no pressure. They're super easy to talk to. 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. 844-41-BIBLE. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and I'm proud to be a book person. Every child deserves to have access to books because children who grow up with books invariably do better in life than children who do not. How do I choose a book? Is it the cover? Uh, yeah, some, I guess, you know, it's sometimes it's the cover, sometimes it's the title. I guess I'm pretty visual, so it's a combination of those two. The first book I remember was Captain's Courageous. When I finished that book, I had become so involved with these characters. So here's the thing. If a book's really, really impressing me and the writing is really, really good, I will peek and see what the last paragraph is. Because the ends, the endings of books, if it's really, really well done, that ending, that last thought should rock you. I am a book person. And if you're a book person, too, read to a child and spark a lifetime of ambition. Join me at bookpeopleunite.org because reading is fundamental. A public service announcement brought to you by Reading is Fundamental, Library of Congress, and the Ad Council. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to. Nope. I'm sure you've got a perfectly good excuse. Kids, work, <laughs> I get it. You're busy. So what better time than now? Let's begin. Raise one finger if you're a man. Ladies, none yet. Oh, count in your head if you're driving. Now, three more fingers for everyone over 60, two over 50, one over 40, one more if you're not physically active, another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes, another if you've got high blood pressure, if you're overweight, raise another finger, two if you're very overweight, and three if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio prediabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. All about that. Welcome back, everybody. 34 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. My name's Mark Salem, and we're here talking about cars. 602-508-0960. 602-508-0960. If you want to talk about cars, that's the number you use. Give, give me your make and model and mileage and tell me what the symptoms are, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to quickly go back to Richard so I can finish him up. Richard, are you there? I'm there. Okay. The first thing that we do is pull the spark plugs. And we're looking for a discoloration of one versus the other. That will t typically tell us where the oil consumption's at. But we could have oil leaking into the cooling system, and you're going to pull the radiator, or not the radiator cap, but the oil cap, and look at the bottom of it. And if it's white and foamy, then you've got water leaking into the motor. Number two, sometimes we'll send it out the tailpipe, but in addition to that, we'll have a coolant loss. So we want to look for that. We want to look for that. The coolant isn't matching the oil consumption. So we got a coolant consumption and an oil consumption, and that typically means a head gasket or something like that. So here, here's my advice to you. Did you use the oil that says that the engine calls for on the cap? Yes. Okay, it was a 020, right? Uh, it was uh, 520. 520, okay, that's a synthetic. So you did right. 
So what they're going to want from you is an oil consumption test. So what you're going to do is is you're going to bring it up to the full mark, even if you had to have to add a half a cup a time at a time, put it on the full mark, and then write down the mileage. And usually I tell them take a picture of the mileage with the date on it. It it, it have the date and time on it, but just take a picture of it. Now you're going to check it continuously until it hits the ad mark. It has to hit the ad mark, not above it, because the ad mark is one quart low. Right. So when it does, take a picture of the dipstick, take a picture of your mileage. Put it on some kind of a chart. And when you walk in there and you hand them that and say, here is five different quarts I've added, and here's the mileage spread, and I don't have any engine misses, which means I don't have a head gasket, and which means one of the spark plugs isn't fouled. So they're going to have to go in there and see the spark plugs. Once they see the spark plugs, they're going to do a compression test on all four, and they're going to do a dry compression test on, let's say, number three is shown black on the spark mm-hmm. plug. They'll do, you'll do a dry, they'll do a dry, and then they'll put some oil in the cylinder to seal the rings, and then they'll do a wet. And if it's the rings or the cylinder walls, then we're typically going to replace the engine. Most of us have cameras that we can drop down in there and look. So we're looking for scored cylinder walls. We're looking for the top of the piston having a tremendous amount of carbon on it when the cylinders on either side of it don't have that. So that right. means that that cylinder's consuming oil. But don't don't think for a minute that this is going to be something quick because the next time you go in, they're going to ask for this oil consumption test. Right. No, he, <laughs> ta- he talked to me about that. And yeah. He just says when it gets to a point at a quarter to 100 miles, they just change the engine. So. Okay. But they if said they give, changed something in the Knox Center, and this has caused the problem, but I haven't had it in there for any, you know, okay. I haven't seen the car. I don't I don't understand the relation. I've been wrong before. No, no, I, I know. It's not kind of goofy edge. to me. Yeah, I don't know where the Knox Sensor comes in. The time you, the car pings a lot, and no matter what gas I put in it, and then you go in and hit the hammer on the alternator bracket, and the, the Knox Sensor doesn't say, hey, and raise its hand. You replace it, and then it says, hey, and it raises its hand, and you're done. So, now I got Now this that oil is pretty expensive. Uh, can I go to a more no. five twenty? No, just no, no, no. <laughs> no. I want you to use what the, the what, and I want you to use what it says on the cap. Right, the, that's what the I fuel did. economy. The and 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 I I don't know. You're you're changing it what every fifteen thousand miles. Right. Okay, you should. And right. and I would change it between it, the twelve and fifteen. The fuel economy is the same. It runs fine. There's no check engine lights. Okay. The coolant, there, there's no loss of coolant. Okay. All right. Well, I'd keep the, the 530, and I would probably change it somewhere between twelve and 15,000. And under the best of conditions, at the 12 mark, maybe you're a quart low, but that's normal. Or maybe you're a quart and a half low, that's normal. I mean, really and truly, 12,000 miles is halfway around the girth of the earth because it's a 25,000-mile equator. So we can't have our expectations too high, but you could very well be one of those people that can go 12,000 and not drop below the ad mark. My wife's car is like that. So, all righty. Well, i got to run, but Richard, good luck to you. And, Greg, you're up next. How can I help you? Hi, Mark. I'm sorry. I have a 1970 Dodge Challenger with an automatic transmission, and my problem is it's leaking transmission fluid out of the front. You know, by the torque converter, you can uh-huh. see it's running down the inspection plate, then running back, you know, across the pan on the, tra- you know, the transmission pan. At first, I thought it was the transmission pan, so I replaced the gasket, but now it's actually gotten a lot worse now. Now, if I just start the car and park the car, I don't know if the fluid is running out of the torque converter 
and coming out of the seal, the front seal on the transmission. Um, okay. Well, no one's going to know that until they take it is. apart. You're okay. going to have to take it apart. The tranny's got to come out. And, but there's a lot of us that will take the inspection plate off and use a mirror. There's a lot of us mm-hmm. that will put a little dye in it and we'll put some dye in it that makes it look fluorescent yellow or fluorescent orange or whatever. Okay. And then we'll start it up and drive it for 10, 15 minutes, bring it back in. And usually the fluorescent oil will lead us right to the place. But it's it's not going to be a torque converter leaking because that would be spraying oil all over creation. It's probably the front seal. So what you're going to want to do is is you're going to want your shop to just pull it and reseal the whole thing because there's nothing else wrong okay. with it. So no, no, pull no, it anyway. It so on. okay, so well, they're going to replace the front seal, the back question. seal, the shift lever seal, the the, uh, the the governor cover housing if it's got one. They're just going to reseal the whole thing, front to back, left to right. That's okay. what I would do. All righty. Okay. Uh, well, no, one more question. Okay, um, a transmission shop in the surprise area is there one you would recommend? Uh, there's a lot of guys that won't take this. There's a lot of guys that say, I, I don't want to open this thing up. It's a 1970. Um, right. I'd probably contact Thunderbird up there in uh, 88th Avenue and Thunderbird and ask those guys if they want to try it, A, and if not, who's a good local transmission shop that they would use to do this. This is okay. not going to, on a 1 to 10 scale, this is only a 5 or a 6. The problem is, is the risk is huge. So if you're going to replace all the seals, there is a risk that one of them is going to leak, and you're going to have to do it all over again, and you better pray it's not the front seal, which means R&R the tranny. So there's right. a little risk and reward there. But if not, you might call Alger at ANS Transmissions, Automatic and Standard Transmission. He's booked to the gills. He, every once in, he's a wholesale shop. Every once in a while, he'll take a retail in. You tell me you have a 70 Challenger. He might set you an appointment. But okay. um, it, it it could take you a month to get in there. So call Alger at A&S Transmission and see if he'll take you. And tell him tell him you have naked pictures of Mark Salem, and he'll laugh, and then he'll know I recommended you. But I don't make any money on recommendations. It's just a funny way because he says, why do you tell people to say that? <laughs> and okay. I says, because it's just funny. Or I'll say to him, Mark said he used to date your mother. Or Mark said he used to be married to your wife. Or whatever. I just It's just that okay. kind of thing. And it, it elicits a laugh just like yours. Okay, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. We're going to be back taking your calls. Now you have a friend at Thunderbird Automotive, and his name is Tom Fletcher. In 2003, Thunderbird Automotive was a finalist in the Better Business Bureau Ethics Award. In 2004, they won that award. Check them out at the BBB online directory. They're proud of their A-plus rating. Thunderbird Automotive has ASE certified technicians. They can fix anything with a steering wheel. Thunderbird Automotive offers a free courser inspection on every vehicle, the same one that some charge $49 for. They now offer a three-year, 36,000-mile warranty on parts and labor anywhere in the country. If you live in the Northwest area, you have to stop in to Thunderbird Automotive at 88th Avenue in Thunderbird, just west of the 101. For more information, visit them online at ThunderbirdAutomotive.com. That's ThunderbirdAutomotive.com. Or drive right in at 88th Avenue and Thunderbird, just west of the 101. 
this is the Terminator. Listen to America's money ace of the airways, Victoria McVeigh, here at 960 The Patriot. She's smart, savvy, and a serial entrepreneur. So grab your wine, whiskey, or Perrier and come play with Victoria McVeigh on Sundays at 8 p.m. She'll have you saying hasta la vista, baby, to your financial dismay. Okay, Simon, what are you wearing right now? Nothing. That's right. And what do people normally wear? Clothes. Exactly. So now Mommy's going to teach you how to dress yourself. Clothes keep us warm, they look good, and if we go out without them, the neighbors will talk. So it's important to know how to get dressed. Here's how it's done. Underwear always comes first, name tag at the back, then pants, then shirt. Get the first button in the right hole, or you have to start all over. If you're wearing a tie, it goes over, round, round, through, and pull tight. Tuck your shirt into your pants and zip up your flat. Socks going first, then shoes right on right, left on left. With shoelaces, just take the ends, cross them over, switch the loops. The rabbit goes down the hole, pull tight, and you left with bunny ears. I love bunnies. Good to know. Now remember, spots don't go with stripes, socks don't go with sandals, and if you've tucked in your shirt, wear a belt. Got it? Why are your pants on your head? Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Miles, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Captain Eric Lawrence was training Afghan soldiers when his truck was hit by an IED. I was on the way from Kandahar to Klot, uh, hit an IED that just took the truck and threw it up in the air and slammed it on the ground. I knew at first that I, I got hurt pretty bad because I couldn't move my legs. I sat home alone for months. I didn't want that anymore. I wanted to go back to work. I was hesitant at first, you know, because I didn't work for a good year. I want to be a productive person. I want to be a drain on society. I want to be a positive thing in society. PBA helped me write my resume, got me a job interview. I got the job. Helping veterans like Eric is what we've done for over 65 years. Paralyzed Veterans of America, paving access for veterans' employment through Operation PAVE. For more information, visit pva.org. A public service message from Paralyzed Veterans of America. Forty-five minutes after the hour of ten o'clock, we have another hour of car talk, car repair talk, or whatever. Under the hood with Mark Salem is the correct way to think about it. But I want to go back real quick before I take Hector, Greg, on your seventy Challenger. I was when you said surprise, I focused on surprise. I want to give you another transmission shop that's in the retail business. That's Automatic Transmission Exchange. Phil's been around since Jesus and the cart with wood wheels. He knows your transmission like very few other people do. He's been in business at the same location, 40th Street in Washington, since 1968. They've done. They've gone to the next level in providing excellent services because they have a transmission dynamometer. In your case, you're not going to need it. But Phil, I can promise you, if he has, if he's done a hundred, he's done two hundred pulling out that transmission. And I, I think your Chrysler transmission is a 727, but I've been wrong before. And pulling it out, resealing it, putting it back in. So, automatic transmission exchange, 40th Street in Washington. And he's well worth the drive. Hector, good morning. How can I help you? Yes, yes, sir. How you doing? Um, my parents have a 95 Mercedes C280. Um, they asked, well, my father asked me to change the uh, the fuel pump. I guess it wouldn't start or whatnot. Went down there, um, had the fuel pump, not the fuel filter. But when I looked under there, it was the original fuel filter also. 
change the fuel pump. And now when they start it, it starts and then it'll die. And then they try to start it again and just just crank it like it wants to, but it won't get started. So I'm hoping you give me some ideas before I change the filter on Monday. No, no, you have to change the filter. You have to change okay. the filter first. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, we, if their filter's restricted, it's going to restrict the flow up towards the motor. Okay. And and you have to do that. I I, I wish you had done that first before the fuel pump. Yeah. Um, and, oh, and that, okay. It's okay. No, 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 it's okay. And l- let me explain. The O2 sensor, when it goes lean, it's screaming to the computer, open the faucet, open the faucet. So everybody replaces the O2 sensors. That's because the three-whiskered kid down at the auto zone or the three-whiskered kid at any auto parts store tells them that's what it needs. In fact, 50% mm-hmm. of the time, the fuel filter's plugged up, and, and it's restricting the flow of fuel to the engine, and the engine's interpreting that as a lean condition. But in reality, all you do is change the fuel filter, and you're done. So in your particular case, I, I really think you should do the filter and and I think that that will cure your problem. If not, okay. uh, you're going to have to call Goody at a Mercedes shop yeah. up in Scottsdale and ask Goody if he can wave his magic wand, and he'll probably be able to fix this <laughs> with no problem. All righty? Well, ho- hopefully your fairy dust will fix it Monday. Okay. It. <laughs> All righty. Well, good luck to you, Hector. Good luck to you. Jay, you're up next. How can I help you? Hi. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Um, yeah, I... Um, Oh, by the way, I used to own a 70 Challenger RT convertible. That's worth a lot of money today, and I wish I still had it. You, you, uh, in 1972, I was only two years old, and, and that was a sweet ride. All of us have those same feelings. All of us. Okay, go, go ahead. So, um, I have, uh, my brother owns a 2011 Kia Sorento. It's got the electronic, uh, keys, uh, keyless uh, starter on it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have a key switch, you know, just a push button. Right. And it's caused them trouble off and on since they've had the car. And at this point, um, the fob itself is becoming very unpredictable. The, the, it had a battery leakage in it at one time and, uh, I cleaned it up, and it works kind of off and on, but the only thing that seems to really work consistently uh, is supposed to be able to carry it in your pocket, you know, and it'll sense it when you're like five feet away from the car. That doesn't work anymore. But if it's got a socket inside of the cubby hole that's got a, a receiver for the key fob itself, and you push it down in there, and it clicks in place, and then that is supposed to override that sensor function. Okay. And you can start the car, then it'll tell you the key is in the car. Okay. okay. Um, All right. Okay. His question is, his wife is worried that that also is an electronic device that could fail. And my brother is wondering if this is more of a manual start function uh on that, or if it's also electronic. In other words, okay, no, it's electronic. Something... And it's, it's just like waving your credit card across, you know, the the little window and stuff like that. It's electronic. Really? Uh, okay, let's let's back way up, way up. Um, there's, it's entirely possible that your Kia just needs a reflash. We just need to go into the security system and, you know, check the software and maybe update the software if there's an update. That's number one. When number two, we got to check the battery, and if not, we replace the battery in the FOP. Okay, that's always yeah. the default. It's been the replaced recently. Okay. 
And then two, we also have, like you you talked about, we have sensors that are supposed to do that. You have to go to the owner's manual. You have to read the owner's manual because every car is different. Some of them want you to wave a dead chicken over your head and, and quack like a duck. The other people, mm. you'll walk up and nothing happens, but there's a keypad behind the handle. And as soon as you touch that, boom, the door opens up. You get inside, push your start button, and you're off. So we need to do that. The, last but not least, the the electronic part that's the bypass we don't have any statistics on that because it's used so very little. But I would have no problem putting my wife in that car and having her drive it for a month and thinking that she's going to get stuck. So we're going to plan B, and plan B is used so little that I don't have a clue if plan B works 50% of the time. But I can tell you this much. I've never had anybody come in and tell me that plan B didn't work. And many people have used Plan B to get their car unlocked. So tell your your, your sister-in-law that Mark says that it shouldn't be bad. Tell your brother-in-law that, that taking it might have somebody check the software and reflash the security system software and make sure the battery's good, and then you can go from there. Okay? Yeah. All righty. Thank you very much. Tony, you're up next. How can I help you? Hey there, Mark. Uh I know you're a diesel aficionado because of the trucks, the big trucks you drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, diesel. Number one in my book. Uh, what's going on today with the cheap gas, eighty-seven octane, and it has the you know the ten percent ethanol that's in there? I mean, why should we be even be buying this stuff? You know, when it's the so trashy to the engines and the no, it isn't. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Everybody blames it on the ethanol. There are a lot of good points. The answer to your question is: is the tailpipe's a lot cleaner? That's the answer. And the ethanol also absorbs water in the fuel system, and that's a good idea. And there is no ethanol or alcohol in any other brand of gas. So you're getting two things. There is nothing wrong. So hear me. let me change your question, my question. Mark, what kind of damage have you seen, and how much money has people spent at your facility because of ethanol-based fuels? And the answer is zero. Zero what I've seen, and zero that we've seen that as being a direct relation. Now, there's lots of people out there that complain that ethanol makes their cars do this, this, and this, but I am convinced that they've misdiagnosed it or they let somebody on YouTube diagnose it for them, and they said, oh, it's the ethanol. It's just not true. It's just not true. So it's an it's an opportunity for you to have something that's still combustible, but when you blow up uh, alcohol, your emissions are a lot cleaner. And it absorbs water in your fuel system. So, no, Tony, I, I don't agree with um, people who say that ethanol is bad. And I'm not quite sure 10 is it. Um, I've seen some fives. I don't really pay attention to it. But, I, I mean, my wife used the cheapest gas she can find, and I, I don't have any problem. We see cars come into our facility with two and three and 400,000 miles that are ethanol-based, 87-octane, get the cheapest gas you can and put it in this car. And we're not seeing anything that's related to ethanol, but there'll be somebody that'll call in and say something and we'll talk about it. But no, the ethanol is fine and it is good for our environment. And I'm not, I'm a cowboy who rides a horse and the only gas I know when I'm on the horse is what comes out underneath his tail. And that's probably dirtier air than than a car with ethanol. (laughs) 
I'll probably get in trouble for that one. Okay, <laughs> thank you very much, Tony. Jeff, you're up next. Uh, draft, uh, he dropped, so we're going to go to Tom. Okay, um, Tom, uh, you're up next. How can I help you? Yeah, uh, Mark, I've been listening for years and years and enjoy your show. And Thank I you. th- this relates back to your first caller about the radiator. Yes. And you said, uh, well, make a long story. I have a 67 big block Corvette that I put on the road nine years ago. And I actually bought a four-row aluminum radiator for it. They make three. They make a two, three, and four, this one company. Yeah. And it has factory air. It has the clutch and the, and the radi- you know, radiator shroud and, and everything else. And never overheats. So okay, no. it's just some information. They do make a, a three-row, and they actually make a four-row, and that's what I've been having in my car the last nine years, and it uh, works perfect. Okay. All right. Well, let me just explain to everybody else. Um, first of all, the aluminum is a step up from what your brass one was, so it dissipates heat much better and much faster. Now, you said you put everything stock back in. So you got the shroud yeah. and you got the fan clutch and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. you did exactly what I would have done. Now, I need to explain what you're talking about here. But before I do that, let me just tell you real quick about Blackwell Automotive. He's at 40th and Greenwell, Greenway. I've known Tom for 22, 25 years. I don't really like Tom that much because him and I argue about cars all the time. And he doesn't know what I know. <laughs> So, yeah, but, I, I hear you say that all the time. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Blackwell's a good guy. Again, he's at 40th Street and the Greenway. He's on the northwest corner. He's been around a long time, and he is one of those guys that you can go in and throw the gauntlet down, and you'll see him get his back up. Nobody can fix my car, and I've told that you can, but I doubt you can. Well, that'll get his f- tail end fired up. Okay, on your folks. Um, the water comes out of the upper hose and goes into the radiator. Um, the ra- his, his radiator has two vertical tanks on the end. So those tanks fill up, and we have these tubes that travel from the passenger side over to the driver's side. And obviously, if you're pushing coolant and we only have one tube, then the, the coolant's going to go through that one tube pretty fast because of the pressure behind it, which is 14, 16 pounds. Now, it's like having a freeway with one lane during rush hour. It's going to be plugged up, but if we have four lanes, then everybody's moving a lot smoother. Well, we don't want the water to go through the radiator so fast it doesn't have time to drop the heat off. So if we have four highways in there and we put everything on the passenger side of the radiator from the top hose, because the top pushes and the bottom sucks, so we put water in and the water kind of lazily goes through the radiator because there's lots of tubes. He has a four-row, that's called tubes, then everything's fine. So a one-row versus a four-row, the four-row is more efficient, will handle the dissemination of heat much better than a one-row, and the four-row is going to give him high-speed performance where a one-row or a two-row is going to cost, or going to cause an increased heat on the engine because the faster you go, the more the water pump turns, and so the yeah. water pump is pressurizing that tank, and we're running water through it 200 miles an hour. So that's how it works. Anyway, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. If you have a car, a car question, then we, again, we talk about the year-making model, the mileage, and then we talk about the symptoms. So that's the very best and most efficient way. And like you've just seen on the show this hour, and we've got another hour after this break, it's a, it's a real easy thing to come up with. So 602-508-0960. My name's Mark Salem. We'll be back in about four minutes. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.